small spacecraft called Beagle just after it had been separated from the main Mars Express spacecraft six days before Christmas uh, back in 2003, so uh, a little more than a decade ago. And this was the last thing that we saw, it's the last time that we saw Beagle um, until yesterday. Because this is Beagle on its way down onto the Martian surface and landing on Mars is incredibly difficult. Mars is sort of the worst of all possible worlds to land on. On Earth, we have a nice thick atmosphere. We can use parachutes to slow ourselves down as we enter the atmosphere. You need a heat shield. This is a simulation of Beagle heading in. You need a heat shield, but then you can use a parachute on Earth and that will get you down to a low enough speed that you can land safely on the ocean or on the surface. On the moon, there's no atmosphere. You can just use rockets to slow your descent. But Mars has a thick enough atmosphere uh, to prevent you doing a powered descent all the way down, but a thin, enough, a thin enough atmosphere that parachutes will only slow you a little bit. And so when you land, you need to do something else. And the plan for Beagle was that it would have these airbags and it would bounce across the Martian surface. This is about as safe as it looks. Uh, and then you come to a stop, you have to get rid of the airbags, and Beagle would fall out onto the surface. And Beagle was a tiny thing. It was only about, it's much smaller than a coffee table, about, uh, I think about a meter across, including the heat shield, and it would eject itself. And the analogy that was used at the time was that this would be like a pocket watch, a Swiss pocket watch, which is nice and reassuring. Uh, <laughs> and sounds very technological. And it would unfold these solar panels. There are four of them. Um, and then this thing is the antenna, revealed only when all four panels have unfurled. And then it could start doing its science and it could talk to us. And in fact, the first thing it would do was broadcast a little tune uh, written by the band Blur. And for the younger people in the audience, you can ask your parents uh, about that. Um, Beagle was not only a small mission, it was a very, very cheap mission. And it wasn't only, a, it, it was built on a shoestring. It was built really at the same sort of cost as an experiment, as one of the cameras on the main mission. And so it had to make a huge number of compromises to get into space at all. And one of those compromises is that it had to be very light. It wasn't allowed to take up much mass because the heavier something is, the more it costs to get it to Mars. And so the whole of Beagle, including the heat shield and everything else that you've seen, weighed less than 100 kilograms, if I've got my numbers uh, correct. Uh, and so that meant um, that it was very difficult uh, for it to carry much equipment, and it meant it couldn't talk to us on the way down. So all of this happened in silence. More recent missions have sent signals back as they undergo this complex sequence of maneuvers. And then we've been able to listen in and get slightly terrified at various points during this landing sequence. Beagle, it was just silence, and the call home never came. And people had assumed, it's an ESA report that says, that the most likely things that had happened was, were sort of catastrophic failures on the way in. Either the parachute was assumed to have broken, or the airbag system was assumed to not have worked, and you can imagine what happens if you don't have an airbag and you hit the Martian surface at speed. In fact, um, the Beagle team had struggled with the airbag system. When they tested their original design, there's this terrifying video that shows the airbag shredding to bits, and so they made changes, but they never got to test their new 
uh, design of airbags because their lift to Mars was leaving. Um, and so it was really a case of, of doing the best that they could uh, on a budget. It was amazing that they got to Mars at all, um, but we assumed that something nasty had happened to them on the way down. And then yesterday, ESA and the UK Space Agency released this picture. It's a picture from a NASA spacecraft. Spacecraft's called Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, uh, a camera called HiRISE. And this is a fairly nondescript bit of Mars. But uh, this image had been scoured by actually somebody who used to work for Mars Express, the craft that carried Beagle to Mars. And he'd noticed that there was a white dot up here. This looked interesting. It's in the right sort of region of the planet uh, for this possibly to be Beagle. And they've actually gone back with Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter and imaged it several times over subsequent years. And so if we zoom in, we get this really remarkable scene. So we've still got Mars, you see a few craters, uh, these long streaks, uh, but there are three pieces of man-made equipment in this image. There's the rear cover of Beagle, there's what seems to be the parachute, although it's hard to be sure, and up here, this is Beagle itself sitting on the surface of Mars, almost exactly where it was supposed to land. And if you zoom in, you can do even better than that. I know it's only a few pixels, but you can see there's a shape here. This is not just a single dot. This is not actually a pile of wreckage left because the parachute failed or because the airbags didn't work at all. This is a partially unfolded Beagle 2. And if we zoom in again, this is the point where we're reaching the limits of resolution. Remember, this is on the surface of Mars, and we're trying to take a picture of something smaller than this table. But if you zoom in, you can see we think we've got the base. There's the first lid, and what looks like two of the solar panels have unfurled. And so Beagle came to a stop safely on the surface of Mars and began to start to unfold itself. And this is the explanation for why we didn't hear for, from it. Remember, the antenna was sitting on the bottom of these four solar panels. So without a full unfolding, it couldn't talk to us. But it managed a soft landing. To give you a perspective, less than half of the craft that have ever tried to go to Mars have succeeded. Only the Americans and, and once the Russians, I think, or once or twice the Russians have ever successfully soft landed on Mars. So this plucky little British mission nearly succeeded and somehow <laughs> somehow that makes you love it more um, personally I'm not I'm not sure whether that makes it better or worse and I I should say I was talking to Colin Wilson who's here who's talking in a minute who was one of the Beagle team when, when you were a student here right you arrived as a student and we were talking by email the other day and he said that 15 grams of this was his um, and, and we need to work out how many grams per pixel but that some part of this is Oxford um, and it's intact on the, on the Martian surface. Um, by the way, if you're not convinced by this, I actually think the best evidence for these things being solar panels comes from comparing the different images. So this is just three of the images flipped next to each other. So Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter has revisited this site three times. Um, and can you see where Beagle is? You can see this is changing shape, this pixel. It's not quite moving, uh, but it's changing in brightness and it's changing in tone. That's not how natural objects behave. That's how shiny objects behave. And so depending on where the sun is, Beagle appears different because the sun is catching the panels in different ways. So I think this change is very convincing. I'm, I'm completely convinced this is Beagle. So that's the story. 
If you'd asked me before yesterday, I would have told you that it was probably the airbags. We now know that we made it to the surface, even if it didn't come back. And it's tempting to want to go and fix this. <laughs> if you could go there, it'd be cheaper to send the small people in the audience, by the way. But if we could send you there and you unfolded it, it's possible it could send a signal back. We actually did the calculation in the office yesterday. There, is, there are, of course, active robots on Mars at the minute. Uh, the NASA rovers Opportunity and Curiosity. Curiosity is not that far away. And we think that in 120 years of solid driving, <laughs> Curiosity could get there and prod uh, a beagle. This would not be a good use of Curiosity, but I feel we should ask them to try anyway. But actually, you know, th this, is, this is history and it's interesting history. But the legacy of Beagle doesn't actually exist on Mars. It exists in a sandpit in Stevenage, uh, of all places, where ESA have recreated a bleak uh, and empty desert environment. It's possible that's easier in Stevenage than elsewhere, but nonetheless, um, this, is, this is ESA's Mars yard. So this is a, it has to be said, not very good simulation of the Martian surface, but it's got lots of different kinds of rocks and some sand. And this is a prototype for um, Europe's next mission to the surface of Mars. Uh, and this thing is currently, and a couple of friends actually, are, are driving robotically around this terrain so that the engineers can understand how to uh, manipulate a rover on the surface of Mars, something that the, the European Space Agency hasn't done before. This is part of a mission called ExoMars. ExoMars uh, has two components. There's an orbiter uh, that will uh, take off early next year. So this time next year, I might be talking about the launch of XMRs. Um, and that, that, will, that will study the atmosphere and it will put a small uh, thing down onto the surface just to test the parachutes and so on, uh, because that's a good idea. Uh, but ExoMars in 2018, this will be launched and it's a full-scale rover designed to explore the Martian surface. And several of the instruments on board this thing are direct legacies of the instruments the scientific experiments that we wanted to get there with Beagle. So the, the knowledge and the expertise uh, won't be lost. But what has changed is that ExoMars is going to sort of a different planet from the one that Beagle was going to. We know a lot more now about the Mars's past in particular and the conditions that pertained there than we did a decade ago, and we know that because of these other missions that have happened in the meantime. Just a few weeks, uh, in fact less than a fortnight, I think, after Beagle hit the top of the Martian atmosphere, the NASA rover's Spirit and then Opportunity landed on the surface, uh, just to show that Mars Reconnaissance Orbit could do this sort of thing rather well. This dot here is uh, a shot of the Opportunity rover that's still wandering around the surface ten years after landing. And Opportunity and Spirit provided the first real evidence that Mars, or the first solid evidence, that Mars was once a wet world, that it had at least lakes, uh, perhaps oceans, and that they persisted for a, a reasonable amount of time. So we, we know from these rover missions that Mars once had a wet past. It would have looked a lot more like Earth three, four billion years ago. And of course that's exciting because those might be the conditions that you need for life. And then just a, a year or two ago, um, Another landing. By this time, the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter people were getting cocky. So this is, this is the Curiosity lander uh, while landing. That's the parachute with the, the thing here. And it's heading down into uh, Gale Crater. And Gale Crater is a large crater 
with a mountain in the middle called Mount Sharp. Um, and Curiosity's mission was to discover whether this crater was actually an ancient lake bed. And Curiosity will probably last for about 10 years. It's two years in. Um, it's going to climb steadily this mountain and read off the geological history of this part of Mars. The spoiler alert is that this is a lake. Curiosity has already found the evidence that it needs. Um, here's a picture of Curiosity. Um, I should point out this is actually a selfie. So this is taken with a camera at the end of the arm and then to uh, annoy me and encourage conspiracy theorists, NASA have got rid of the arm from the picture. So it looks like this was taken by somebody standing there. Uh, but Curiosity has seen things like this. And these deposits, these rocks, are the kind of thing you expect in a landscape that's being shaped by water. And so Curiosity, and we knew from the other rovers that Mars was a wet world. Curiosity tells us that at least in this bit of Mars, that water was neutral, it's not acidic, so you could have drunk a glass of Gale Crater water. I mean, you, would have, you would have been unable to breathe because of the atmosphere, but if you could survive on the Martian surface back then, you could have drunk a, a glass of Gale Crater water without any ill effects. And Curiosity has also told us that the other ingredients for life, what they delightfully call schnapps, so sulfur, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen and phosphorus, the elements that make up the molecules that drive life, were all present in this ancient Martian environment. So the only question now is whether any of that life persisted. And to find that out, we have to dig under the surface a little. And that's what ExoMars will do if we can survive a landing just slightly better than Beagle did. Thank you very much.